0: Grace be unto you, and great peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text, I add these words to the gospel lesson from the 25th verse. Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Here ends our text. Saying farewell is not so easy. As we have seen by some of our families sending kids off to college, It seems as though that farewell gets to be pretty tearful. There was a cartoon this last week of a parent trying to be able to bring a kindergartner to school. And the kindergartner has child's arms wrapped all the way around a tree and the mother's got the feet and she's pulling. And then there is another side to the cartoon which shows the mother with her legs wrapped around the tree, with her arms wrapped around her son as he was headed off to college. Don't go so hard painful. Well, it's not just that, but it's also saying farewell, too, to those people that we have loved in our life, isn't it? A mother, a father, somebody who is a very dear friend, sometimes even children. Or we have to go to that grave, and we have to say goodbye. Very mixed feelings, isn't it? In some cases, we see them suffering, and so We want them to go and be with the Lord, but at the same time, there is such finality to it. We look at that person that we have loved with all of our heart, known all of our life, and assumed is always going to be there for us, and then they die, and they leave us. Perhaps we can begin to capture a little bit of what it is that those disciples felt if we might go to our own feelings and thoughts over the persons that we have had to say farewell to in our lives. Those disciples were hearing from Jesus that he was going to be departing. And for them, there was all this comfort, three solid years of intense theological, biblical instruction and insight and involvements with people who embraced him, involvements with people who rejected him, there was, of course, the great struggles and trials, but along with it, miracles upon miracles. And as the disciples said, we, we, we thought that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they probably even put that into some kind of a human context of redemption, like maybe we were going to have a kingdom now, and maybe we were going to be free from the yoke of the Romans, and maybe this individual was going to lead us through to that, and there was going to be this magnificent change on earth. And then he says... I'm going to be leaving. But then he starts off with those words Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house of many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But as it is, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, that's where you may be also. It's a promise that is far greater than any human being on earth can make when they die. Because in his death there now comes and follows A resurrection out of death and he is the one who is able to not only resurrect himself but he is also the one who can take our bodies out of death and bring us into everlasting life Jesus gave them some very wonderful gifts in this text this whole chapter is it really about Jesus leaving his disciples behind. Jesus gave them hope. He gives us hope. I go to prepare a place for you. Do those words soak into our hearts and into our minds and shape the way in which we live our lives? I go to prepare a place for you, and that place is in eternity. Jesus gave them, I call it a handle, that is to say, he gave them something <laughs> that they could hold on to, that they could have with certainty. He said that to know him was to know both the truth and also his Father. To be able to see this Jesus Was to actually see the very face of God if you ask yourself what is in the mind and in the heart of this God who has made this whole universe and I hope we're all reflecting upon that as we now watch this great solar eclipse and maybe our mind goes out into that space and we begin to comprehend the enormity of creation and then ask ourselves even questions like what lies beyond that creation How did this come to be oh an accident that's right this whole thing that is like a mobile where every piece of it is hanging in a perfect balance this one who has created all of creation and made everything by the power of his almighty word is the one who has now also given us a hope of everlasting life but he's told us too that we can pray that we have the right to be able to actually pray to him expecting that he will answer us. And then he has also, he tells us, given us commandments. Now that word is a little bit different than the Ten Commandment Commandments. These are the exhortations. Believe, trust, rely, come. All these things are his entolay. They're the very things that he has allowed us to do. And like that story of, remember, Esther and and the king, Darius or Xerxes or whatever his name was, back there in the Old Testament, that's what pastors do. They forget those names. Anyway, when the king says to Esther, come, he gave her permission to be able to enter into his presence and to ask from him whatever she wants. That's what it is that Jesus tells us to do, too. And then he promises that he's not going to leave us without a knowledge of what it is that he said and what it is that he taught, that he was going to send a teacher, a comforter, a Holy Spirit who is going to bring them and us into remembrance of all the things that he has said. And then he promises what we see in our text. He promises peace. Peace he is going to give to us, not a peace where the world and all of its problems go away. He's going to give to us peace smack dab in the middle of all of our tribulations, smack dab in the middle of all of our fears, smack dab in the middle of all of our doubts and our anxieties, and he promises us the Holy Spirit to give us peace peace to know that his good and gracious will is at work in all things that happen how is all of that doing in our lives how is it going do we do you sense and feel and know that peace or are you In anxiety over all the things that are bothering you in your life all the things that have to be done all the things that you think about could happen all the things that could be bad have you been listening to chicken little lately and have you wondered whether or not this world is all going to come to an end well maybe it will but what's your problem do you have peace how well do you know your scriptures how well do you know that word of god that he promises would come and bring you into a knowledge of the truth how much time have you spent on your phone in comparison to the amount of time that you might spend reading god's holy and sacred word how much time have you spent learning from the holy spirit rather than learning from that television set that supposedly tells you all the things that the world needs you to know. How much, how, to what degree, how are you relying upon God and his word? Are you holding God to his promises in your life? How often do you take Jesus up on his promises and pray? How often have you laid before him all of your requests in life and laid before him something that's maybe even more profound than just getting a new bicycle, but asking him for wisdom, asking him for the strength to be able to endure, asking him for the understanding of his grace and his mercy that would lead you to be able to see into the very heart of God and understand his grace and his peace. Many have looked at the condition of the world today and they have wished that Jesus would return, but not oftentimes so much out of missing him, but out of the anxiety of living in this world, and perhaps even because of our own perspective on life. It's almost as if we're when the relatives are coming and we figure that we have to clean up our house, we do so because we want to be able to have a clean house more so than we want to have a guest. We find out that very often when we consider the second coming of Christ that we keep thinking that we're going to have to clean up our life and we're going to have to make our life perfect so that we can meet Him without sin. But the fact of the matter is, is that there never will be a time that we will ever be able to have a sinless life and our house will never be clean enough to properly greet Him. So we put it off We don't think about His coming and we hope perhaps it will be delayed and yet we know he can't come could come at any moment in our life what is it that makes you yearn what makes you yearn for your children when they move away what is it that makes you yearn for that person who has died and gone and cannot come back is it not that your life has actually become so interwoven and interconnected with theirs that you could not imagine that your life could exist without them? Would that not be true too of how it is that we come to yearn for our Lord and our Savior? And is it not sometimes actually an affirmation of something good when we yearn for those people that we have loved? And therefore, as Christians, it's a good thing that we yearn for the coming of our Lord and our Savior. He is the one, if we can imagine why he went away, why he died, he is the one who has washed away all of our sins. As we stand before him with our house so dirty, he is the one who comes with the Holy Spirit and cleanses and washes and takes away all that filth and stain. He is the one who by his death upon the cross turned away the wrath of God so that God's wrath and punishment is no longer directed towards us, but with what he bore for us and in our place. And now when we look at his great and his wonderful promises, as we miss him, as we feel like orphans, we must remember his wonderful, marvelous promises that he gives to us. Let these words rest within your yearning souls. He will come again and take you to be with him. That where he is, you too and I will be. And we will be with him forever he has given us marvelous promises that we can pray to him and he will not be far he will be near and all our prayers (coughs) offered up in faith and in his name will be heard by him he promises us that his words will always come to us and speak to us when and where we need. Remember what the apostle said when he said, yeah, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, that God's word is going to be there at nighttime, in the daytime, as you dream, as you sing, God's word will speak to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who is bringing that word. His Holy Spirit ultimately is also the author of all that peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. So let's join with those disciples and join in their agony Of being left alone by him and miss him miss him horribly as they did but also take comfort both in his promises and in his abiding presence that even on this day our Lord is with us and it helps us so dearly to look forward to that day where he is going to come and call us to be with him once again into all eternity Amen. May this peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your thoughts and your minds, your faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.